want to show you, I can do a trick. It's not as impressive as Jesus um, creating a multitude of fish and loaves, but I can create an infinite chocolate bar. Now, I was going to bring one here and show it to you, but that would be very hard to show everyone, so I pre-filmed what I did. So, um, David, if we can have that video up on the screen, and I'll explain what I'm doing to make infinite chocolate. So I've got a normal cabbage chocolate bar. You see, it's like eight by four. I make a few cuts along it. Yeah, it's my hand up and close. I don't think I've looked at my hands so close before. So I make one cut. I'm going to make a total of three cuts. Uh, three. And I'm like, oh, I want that piece of chocolate. That's the bit of chocolate that's going to... I will keep. Stop there, stop. I'll just move the bar a little bit like this. Move that one over to there. And it's formed the chocolate bar again. And I have an extra piece. And it's still a 8 by 4 chocolate bar. See? If someone wants to bring me a chocolate bar, I can show you how to do it. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's just a little fun little trick that I can that I can show you that I thought was rather entertaining. And hey, who doesn't love to know, get extra chocolate? But this morning, as we get into our message, we are continuing our series on diving deeper into the Gospel of Mark. So I want to begin to you. Yes, I showed you in the kids' spot the the um, the feeding of the story. But that's broken down for kids, made simpler, kind of adjusted a few things. And it's from thing. And the go- this story is actually recorded in all of the Gospels. All the Gospels. And so I, the one I'm going to focus on is the one that Mark brings us, the version that Mark brings us. And so it's, it's chapter 6, starting at verse 30. It's called Jesus Feeds the 5,000. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. And then because many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from from all the towns and got there ahead of him. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Then then, um, they said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When When they found out, they said, we have five and two fish. Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to the heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. So that is probably a very familiar story to many of you. 
And while my infinite chocolate chip was fun, and it was just a trick, I did not create any extra chocolate. Um, Jesus feeding that many people, which scholars actually estimate could have actually been around about 15,000 people, if you included the children and the women, is actually very impressive. I mean, some would say miraculous even. And we can look at this story and marvel at the power of God, the grace of Jesus and how he provides for us all, which is true. But today I want to shift our focus slightly onto the other people that feature in this story, namely the disciples. So in this story, the disciples saw a need. In verse 35, by this time it was late in the day and so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. They saw a need. They were keeping track of the time. They understood that it was getting late and the people would be getting hungry. So they pulled Jesus aside and let him know what they thought he should do. So that's the first thing that they did. After they did that, they... Jesus said in verse 37, he answered, give them something to eat. And they're like, well, how? So they search for earthly answers. They search for the um, answers into how to solve this problem with earthly eyes. They said to him, it's going to cost us so much. It's going to take more than half a year's wages and we could go out and spend that stuff. Jesus' response probably wasn't what they were expecting. I mean, you don't need to have done any real catering to know that it takes a lot to feed 50 people, let alone 5,000. We would need a literal tonne of food. There was no Uber Eats. There was no, nothing the one they could call up for delivery. They weren't even in a local town. Remember, the people were following Jesus who was trying to get away to rest. So they were out in the countryside. The disciples, understandably, were rather perplexed at this suggestion from Jesus. Did Jesus really expect them to go and buy everyone dinner? I mean, how would you even go about log- organising the logistics of doing that last minute? It takes a lot of work and organising to plan a dinner just for your family, for your family and your extended family, than does for 5,000, maybe 15,000 people. So, but anyway, the disciples went, okay, and they went off into the crowds to see what they could find. The story also tells us that the disciples bought what they had found to Jesus. How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they did, they said, five and two fish. The disciples bought him everything they found. So I just want to take a mini detour away from the disciples for a second to point out in the other Gospels, in other Gospels it mentions that the only one who had any food was a boy. They attribute this food to a boy. In John um, chapter 6, Verse 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Still looking at it with earthly eyes. But the point is, the boy gave up his food. I mean, this was probably his lunch or his dinner. I imagine that his mum packed it for him that morning before she set him out for the day, um, before he left the house. I mean, scripture doesn't tell us anything else about the boy, why he gave over the food, but he did. He could have been selfish. He could have stored it away for himself and not told anyone he had anything, but he didn't. He gave it to Jesus. 
Well, actually, he gave it to the disciples, who then gave it to Jesus. But he gave over everything he had. So looking at the disciples as a character arc, as a narrative, throughout this passage, we see that while Jesus performed the miracle that day, it was the disciples that were the catalyst for the miracle. The disciples saw the needs of the crowd. The disciples pleaded to Jesus on their behalf. And let's be honest, the disciples were probably also pleading on themselves. They were probably also feeling a bit hungry, a bit worn out, ready for a break, ready to have a meal. So they weren't unfamiliar of the needs of the crowd. And they understood what the crowd might have been going through and what they might have been feeling. And that moved them to take action, to speak to Jesus. And so Jesus asked them to go find food for the people. Jesus didn't do it himself. Jesus didn't walk out to the crowd and say, people, give me your food. He sent the disciples to go do it. I do wonder what was going through the disciples' mind at the moment as they kind of left Jesus aside to go talk to all the randoms in the crowd, saying, do you have any food? Do you have any food? But Jesus used what they had found to feed everybody. That's what they wasn't what they were expecting. I mean, maybe they thought it was just going to, yeah, they'll bring Jesus food and then maybe just food for themselves. But the disciples' role in the story doesn't end with them just bringing everything they gave to Jesus. They were also the ones to distribute the food to all the people. In verse 39, Jesus then directed them all to have people sit down in groups on the green grass and they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to the heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to all his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. I do wonder where they got the baskets to, but we'll not go down that track. We'll get way sidetracked. I can imagine as they were doing this, they were also they're having the same conversation over and over again, answering the same questions. Where did this food come from? What do you mean Jesus multiplied it before you? What, there was only five loaves and two fish? But there's like enough to feed the hundred of us here. Repeating the same story to each new group. What an amazing testimony to have right then. And it was such an amazing event that we are talking about it 2,000 years later. So that was good. Well, look at then. They were in the presence of Jesus. Jesus performed a miracle, fed over 5,000 people. Fantastic. But what do we take away from that story today? Well, the first thing, if we look at the disciples and if we want to emulate them, we need to ask ourselves, what need do we see? Sometimes we can be actually blind to the needs of those around us. Are we being active in our communities, in our families, in our, amongst our friends? Do we see what they need, what they are going through? Are we a part of their lives? The disciples were already right there with the people. They understood what the crowd needed because partly it's what they needed too. They knew it was getting late. They knew they needed food. They were, the disciples were right there in the right place to meet the needs of the people and to bring the needs to Jesus, to God. Matt, Matthew... 14, um, chapter 5, verse 14, 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. 
Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus tells us that we, his people, are the light of the world. His light and our light is no good to anyone if it is hidden, if we just stay in our houses and ignore the world around us. As God's people, we need to be ready to do good, to serve one another, to serve our community, to be his light to those around us. We also need to step out in faith and wait for God's answer. Like the disciples, they stepped out in faith and obedience even though they didn't fully understand what God, what Jesus was asking them to do. And it can be daunting when our eyes are open to the need around us. Sharing the love of God and helping those in need, the task can seem monumental, especially when you first start looking and seeing how great the need is. Like the disciples, we'll often look at a situation and see all the ways that we can't help, that our help isn't good enough or that it's just so small, it's not worth it and how it can be too big a task. But we've got to remember, it's our God that we are serving. Nothing is too big for him. I like to think of the work that organisations like Compassion and World Vision do. So through their Sponsor a Child program. I'm sure many of you are probably familiar with it. But they have, a pro- they have programs, and other organisations do this too, to help a child in need, a child in the developing world, a child that doesn't have much. So they offer people like, like in Australia, America, UK and other places around the world, um, to sponsor a child to help finance that child's education and their life. And this is a great program. And they don't ask people, they're not going to come to a church or to a place and say, ask you to, to, to help every child in the country or every child around the world. No, they say, just support one child. And that support has an exponential effect. It multiplies because that support not doesn't, only support the child, it provides some support for the family. It provides some funding for the local school, which other children benefit from, which then help grows and support that whole community, just by supporting one child. And that, that change and that growth changes the child and eventually it will change the world. Now, but they don't, Compassion and World Vision don't come and say, hey, we want you to change this entire community in this far-fung place on the other side of the world. No, they say, hey, can you just support one child? It's a small thing that can have a big effect, a multiplying effect, like the boy giving over his meal to Jesus. It was just a small act, but it fed thousands Jesus didn't ask the disciples to go and cook for all the people in the crowd or even to pay for all the food. He just asked them to do a simple task, to go out and see what they can find, which they did. In obedience, they followed Jesus' instructions and came back with five loaves and two fish. And I'm sure that many of them were wondering what, how such a small meal could help in the situation, but they gave it up to Jesus anyway. And that's when God's power came through, multiplied what they bought, and turn that small food into an actual feast. As we follow God in obedience and entrust in him in the small tasks, we will begin to see his hand at work in everything we do and everything we experience, and we'll start beginning to see those small miracles throughout our days. He will multiply our efforts. We just need to be faithful 
in what he's given us to do. We also need to give everything over to God. Have we given out the situation that we're facing, our current circumstances, over to God? Let me put it simpler. Have we prayed about what we're going through or prayed about the need that we see? Often it's our nature, if we see a problem, we want to fix it. Come up with a solution before we even time to bring it to God in prayer. The disciples are saying, what, we don't have the money to feed this many people. As a youth pastor, whenever one of the teens would speak to me about an issue going on in their life, my first question to them was obviously, was usually, have you prayed about it? This happened so often that the kids, they knew what I was going to say before they said it. It's like, I know you're going to ask if I've prayed about it, but blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, but seriously, have you stopped and prayed for it? Have you brought it to God? God tells us to bring everything to him. Um, he wants us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, we're told, give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. He cares about the big things, but he also cares about the small things. But not only do we need to give things to God in prayer and pray about them, we also need to give ourselves, our possessions, our money to God for him to do with what he will. So just hear me out. I'm not saying that you need to give 100% of your, your paycheck over to God or over to the church. God actually doesn't ask that. He actually tells, doesn't tell us to do that. But what we need to do is what God has given us through our, our earnings, through what we've been given, through what we have. We just need to hold that a little lightly so that he can use it for his purposes. We don't need to hoard it away like, like Scrooge. We, we need to just hold, hold it lightly. That means being generous with what we've got. So I had an interesting encounter this week. Um, I was going into my local Coles one morning and outside, then there's often outside people begging, people on hard times looking um, for, for money for something or just for help. And so as I was walking to Coles, it was a busy morning, I was on my way to work, so I just had to pop in to grab some stuff. And so there was a gentleman who was obviously doing it tough and he... He's like, he's just calling out to parent people and goes, like, oh, can you give me an iced coffee, love? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, like, I'm not even really focused on what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about what I've got to do that day. And I say, oh, sorry, not today. I, was pl- I wasn't rude or thing because, unfortunately, you can see people can be really rude to, to those sometimes asking for help um, and that kind of stuff. And as I went into the thing and I went out, picked a banana, I'm like, well, I can buy him a banana. I can buy him the iced coffee. Like, it wasn't a thing as I was going around the shop. I'm like, and so I did. I just bought a thing, and, it, and I brought it out and say, here, I'm sorry to about for, but here, I've, I've got this for you, and I just gave it, gave it to him. It didn't cost me anything, really, a few dollars, but it didn't cost me any really extra t- effort or time, but it was probably helpful for him, and it probably helped start his day better. And a smile on his face when I gave it to him and, and didn't give him a hard time and just said, I hope you have a good day, um, was fantastic and actually made me feel good. And this is anything good about me because initially my first initial reaction was like just to say, be polite but just kind of move on with my day. But I'm like, no, God say, no, help them. You've got it. Like what do I, I didn't need the extra couple of dollars that it, that it cost me. That's not going to help me benefit it, but it would help him. So as we look back, so we can help in small ways and what we do can have a multiplying effect. And I, I don't know if I'll see that gentleman ever again. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with his life. But at least on that day, 
He had something to eat, something to drink, something to keep him going. So as we look back into this story of the feeding of the 5,000, we can look that the boy gave everything he had to Jesus and that Jesus was able to multiply that. That the disciples obediently stepped out and obeyed him and through that a miracle was performed. They followed Jesus and served him in his ministry. So he worked through them, through others, and he worked through us to do things far beyond any of us can imagine. So as we close out um, the message this morning, I want to leave you with this final verse. It's not from Mark. It's from John 14, verses 12 to 13. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. If we follow Jesus in obedience, if we listen to the voice that he's given us, if we listen to his teachings and follow his example, could you imagine, imagine how much glory that will bring our Heavenly Father? And we just have a small part in that, just by being obedient and being faithful. We're going to go into a, 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 time, a response time and there's going to be some questions up on the screen. So this is some questions to reflect on and you can write your responses on response cards that are on your seat. So maybe some things to think about. What are the needs of those in your community, of those people around you? And how might God be using you to fulfil some of those needs? And the other big one is like, what miracle do you want? I didn't finish the question. What miracles do you want to see God do? So our God is a God of miracles. He's a God of power. He is, he is in and over everything. So sometimes we can ask for the big things too. So we're just going to put some music on the screen and give you a few moments to think and pray with our God.
that you care for us. I thank you that you want to work in us and through us and use us to be catalysts for your miracles on the, in this world. Lord, I just pray as we go about our week, as we go back um, amongst our friends, our neighbours, our, our, our colleagues, Lord, I just pray and ask that you'll use us. Use us in small ways, but help us to see how those small things have a multiplying effect, have a bigger impact than what we can even imagine. Lord, I just ask that you will continue to use us to bring your light and your love and your glory into the world around us. In your name, amen. Amen.